Russ, you can't you can't play things on easy mode all the time. That's just that's cheating. No, no, it's not. It's the best way to play games. Honestly, Absolutely it is not. The best. It is, is there the an best easy mode for, for Dark Souls? Uh, no, oh. there's not. All right. Well, we'll talk more about that in a minute. But for now, uh, let's let's do our intro. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Crossfire Faith in Gaming Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Russ Dornish, alongside my co-host, the Reverend David Petty. Broadcasting from a basement with very limited lighting. Uh, I've been in the middle of a move. But yeah, that's me, David Petty. Uh, for those of you watching on your podcast through your ears without your eyeballs, you can't see me. But just imagine really terrible lighting, like the worst worst lighting ever. That's That's how I am right now. So today so, on, yes, <laughs> uh, we're new at this. It's been a while. It's our first it's uh, first podcast, everybody. Um, <laughs> since we're brand new at podcasting, we're gonna yeah. Russ, you tell them what tell them what they've won. Well, I was gonna say we've been gone for a long time. We took a little bit of a break. Uh, it's a very busy season in the Methodist Church. Uh, so, David, before we get to what are you playing? Tell everybody at home what's been happening in the life of the Reverend David Petty and why we have been on podcast hiatus for the last uh, couple, two months. Yeah, so if you didn't know um, from listening to our other podcasts, I have been in the middle of a transition, in the middle of a move, uh, moving from Meeker United Methodist Church in Meeker, Colorado, to St. Paul's United Methodist Church in Colorado Springs. So uh, in addition to just the, the transition of going from essentially like it's the same job, but it's not um, the way I'd like to, to describe it to somebody is like, let's imagine that you're the manager at a McDonald's and then you take a job being the manager at, Oh, I don't know, like a, a steakhouse. So it's still managing a restaurant, but it's a totally different thing. So the church I was at, the church I'm, I'm now currently at totally different. So I'm like relearning everything about how to do my job. Um, all of that and in the middle of literally uh, moving all of our stuff too. So I wish you could see the other side of me right now, right behind my desk are no less than like 25 unpacked or unopened boxes. Uh, it took me forever to find my keyboard, just a whole chaotic mess. Russ and I tried to record last week. I couldn't find my keyboard. My network wasn't working. It, it's been a hot mess and a hot minute. So um, thank you for your patience uh, while we get through the summer and we're hopeful to get you more excellent podcasts, just like you're expecting to hear from us all the time and to bring you the news of what's happening in the gaming world and some engaging content around uh, some deep questions that people might have regarding gaming, religion, faith. Uh, as always, we try to intertwine those things, faith and gaming here on this podcast. So, Russ, let's start with today's news. Okay, uh, today's news, and it's not really today's news, but we're going to kind of summarize and go through some of the big gaming news the last month or two, um, mostly in the announcements of some brand new games that are coming out, lots and lots of announcements of what is to come. Uh, E3 happened last month, so we had a lot of new things um, brought to us. The first thing, obviously, was the big Xbox Bethesda Cross Showcase, so their first dual showcase. Just for some of the highlights from the show, 
Uh, of course, we got to see the first details for, for Forza Horizon 5. Uh, Ninja Theory uh, shared a little bit at a separate event about uh, Senua's Saga Hellblade 2. Uh, uh, Double Fine update on Psychonauts 2 with the release date saying that it's going to be August 25th. We'll have more on that in a little bit for the topic of the show. Uh, some new games, Stalker 2, uh, Plague Tale Innocence to be optimized for Xbox Series X and S, which is interesting uh, because that game is also free on Xbox or PlayStation Plus for the month of July and free on Xbox Game Pass. So Plague Tale for everybody. Uh, we've got to see Age of Empires 4 if you're a big RTS fan. Uh, Age of Empires is a classic and the fourth one will be coming out October 28th. Uh, we got to see the new Battlefield game for this fall. I know some people out there are big Battlefield fans, especially the online portion. It is an online-only game, no single player, coming out October 22nd. The big one uh, that I am excited about, Sea of Thieves, A Pirate's Life, was revealed and released. Uh, Dave, did you get a chance to jump into the new Sea of Thieves stuff? No, I, I have not. Uh, but my son played a little bit and he was very excited, ran downstairs, was telling me all about it. He said, you know, Dad, it's really cool. It's just like a Disneyland. They talk about, you know, dead men tell no tales. And so he was very excited. I think the fact that he's very excited is telling that hopefully the rest of us will be excited, especially those of us who remember Pirates of the Caribbean from before it was a movie, uh, just a ride at Disneyland. Um, and I'm excited to play it. So we also got uh, Flight Simulator is coming this month to Xbox uh, on July 27th uh, for Xbox Series X and S. They also announced a DLC free pack for Top Gun Maverick, which I think looks amazing. Um, here's another big one that I'm actually excited about. Hades, uh, the roguelike game uh, from Nintendo and PC is coming to Xbox Game Pass august 13th so everyone will get to have a chance at that um and that pretty much did it for some of the bigger announcements obviously they covered a few other things um we got some information about halo of course uh didn't really get a gameplay we got a, a cgi trailer um so still not sure what that's going to look like when it finally releases uh but they are taking their time it is going to be a little bit before we see the rest of halo um, and they also announced a separate multiplayer version of Halo that's going to be free. So I have a feeling they're going for that Fortnite Warzone crowd with the free extra. Um, besides, uh, besides Sea of Thieves, Dave, uh, anything catch your your eye? Anything is interesting to you from that that list? Um, I mean, I, I was excited to see a little bit more teaser from Starfield. Um, mostly because I remember going to E3 back in 2017, 2018. Uh, and seeing the Bethesda, that was the year that I got the um, the vault, um, the Nuka-Cola Quantum uh, that I had to decide whether I was going to drink or move. I, I moved it for those of you that are interested in that. Um, so I still have it if there's anybody out there that wants to uh, you know, give me millions of dollars for my rare Nuka-Cola Quantum um, mm. to commemorate the greatest game of all time, Fallout 76. As reviewed by nobody. Anyway, um, but yeah, so I saw I saw Starfield, and at that point it was like a teaser. Literally, it was just like this thing opens up in space, this array, um, a solar array opens up in space, and then it's like blink, and then Starfield. And it was like, okay, well, what what is that? Um, I still think it's probably going to end up being like No Man's Sky, um, so it'll be interesting to see where they take it. Uh, I think I've seen uh, people are saying it's going to be like a no man's sky meets Skyrim 
that's a little bit more realistic. Um, so we'll see. But I'm excited to see that. Um, not a whole lot. I feel like overall this year's E3 was a little underwhelming, um, probably because you had so many uh, announcements with console releases and you had COVID in 2020. So game studios were just like trying to get the things done that they even said that they were planning to do, let alone anything new and exciting. So um, I think next year will be the year to look out to for E3 news. Um, but yeah, that was nothing really caught my eye. So... I forgot also, and I you know, thrown here. I think the winner of E3 this year was actually Nintendo. Nintendo had a pretty darn good showing. Um, so we got announcement of Metroid Dread, which everyone is freaking out because it is the first 2D Metroid game that has come in a very long time. People are going nuts. The game's selling out everywhere. Pre-orders are selling out. Um, they also announced that it was Metroid Five meaning that we're still getting Metroid 4, which I believe is supposed to be still a 3D uh, shooter like the previous one. Um, but everybody's excited about that. You got a little bit more taste of Breath of the Wild 2, um, which everyone's super stoked about. We got a new WarioWare coming. We've got a Mario Party game coming. Uh, overall, Nintendo, I think, did a really good job of showing some new stuff that made people excited. But again, I agree with you. E3 was very lackadaisical for me. It just didn't feel like E3 when I watched. There was no really huge like hype, oh my gosh moments, because a lot of the stuff, like you said, was delayed. So we got a lot more info of things we already knew about more than brand new things. Um, so we'll see. Also, Sony did nothing during uh, the month of June, right. uh, really, when it came to E3. They finally did have a state of play uh, last week, um, which I will just quickly... Uh, go before, through before so we you got, get to that, i just want to comment that i thought it was crazy that there was no literally no animal crossing with nintendo's talk at e3 it was like you, you could have announced like some sort of new season something coming but as big as animal crossing has been for the last year for nintendo to be like yeah you know that's uh we're just gonna we're just gonna gloss over it the animal crossing community was like going nuts about the fact that e3 was silent in animal crossing world anyway go on well continue. I, I i know your love of animal crossing um onto the playstation state of play from last week we got to see uh moss 2 which is a wonderful psvr title uh the original highly recommended if you have a psvr to pick it up also uh, Arcade... moss is available on uh, oculus you can play that oh okay oculus so it is steam yep so we've got the second one coming yep uh Arcade Again coming, uh, another interesting... A lot of these games were indie titles. They were not big-time AAA titles. Uh, Tribes of Midgard, Fist looked really weird. Hunter's Arena, not my cup of tea, multiplayer uh, melee combat game. Um, then we also... Oh, this one's really good, though, indie game. Uh, we got more info on Sifu, which is this, like martial arts ninja fighting game action thing that looks unbelievable um we also got what are some other things a uh, lost judgment which is coming from the studio that gives us yakuza the game looks ridiculously good uh graphic wise we got to see more of this game which was kind of uh shown at the summer uh, games fest which i think you're going to be excited for uh the death stranding director's cut coming to playstation 5 in august they are bringing a ton of new stuff to the game. Uh, new melee combat, new DLC, uh, new ways of transporting uh, uh, equipment and, and deliveries. 
they have like a that. delivery cannon. Yeah, they have like a t-shirt um, cannon and like and a jump thing for jumping really far. And, yep, uh, and, plus and a, for your um, PS5 controller, right with the triggers. Um, yep. I will say, tiny tangent, back to E3 for a half second. I was just looking it up. Uh, the other game I was excited about was the Avatar game. Um, I think you know From, as much yep. as. As much as I wasn't a huge fan of the first movie, it was amazing for what it did for 3D. Uh, and the fact that they've, they're coming out with Avatar 2, 3, 4, and 5 in the next five years, ten years, whatever. Um, like back to back to back to back to back could be good. Uh, and it looked just looked phenomenal. So if nothing else, maybe a game just to pick up and play um, just to check out the graphics. But anyway, back to your, your PS News. Uh, yeah, so Death Stranding Director's Cut, super excited, alongside the Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut also got announced. Uh, completely new island with what I've been reading says a 6 to 10 hour side story uh, edition, which is great. Um, there has been some, uh, we'll say, controversy going on in the community, whether or not these Director's Cuts are worth paying for the upgrades. Um, because... Ghost of Tsushima is charging for the upgrade. Uh, Death Stranding is charging for the upgrade. Not full price, mind you, if you own the previous games, but still a lot of people up in arms about that. We may have to have a discussion about that at some point in the future if this becomes more uh, prominent as we go forward. Uh, so a little bit more Switch news, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, they did announce the new Switch. It's not what we thought. It is not a... It is not an upgraded switch. It is an OLED screen switch with better speakers. The new screen <laughs> and a kickstand. Hey, oh. don't don't forget the kickstand. Yeah. Okay. So they announced a new screen and a kickstand, okay. with which I'm just surprised with the same innards. I feel like this has got to be like a, a step, a halfway step, like somewhere in a back room. They're still working on the Switch Pro, and they're like, "Look, it's not ready yet. You know, silicone's expensive. We can't. We can't." put more expensive silicon in here so they're just going to come out with the oled screen and then eventually maybe someday they'll come out with switch pro that we've all been expecting um i don't know i overall i think i'm disappointed i definitely will not be buying the switch with oled screen um but you know people who love their switch love their switch and it's nintendo so uh, you know, I know people that have two switches just so that they can play two different people in Animal Crossing. Um, I, I mean, you know, full full size switches. Do you have a switch and a switch light? Yeah, I have a full switches? size switch and a switch light. So right. I use the switch light when I'm on the go, and I I pretty much leave the regular switch in the dock now, um, just because that's just the way it was. And I love the switch light. I think it's an amazing handheld. Um, I, I, too, am a little disappointed, although the good news is, and, and what I like to see is, the price is not that bad. It's $50 more than the base model Switch. You're getting the better OLED screen, which $50 for OLED kind of makes sense. OLED is still a very expensive piece of technology. Um, although I've been reading up on it, and they're saying like the 7-inch OLED screen is probably not going to give you any better nice resolution. It's not going to really make the screen look that much nicer. It's just going to be blacker. Just, blacker. Even even that, it's it's not going to be completely like that just because of how small the screen is. So I'm I'm not sure that everyone was happy about that. That's what sucks with leaks of mm. people saying this is what the Nintendo Switch Pro is going to be, and then you get something completely different. So, right. uh, um, 
this story well, is still, a little bit crazy. I still think, you know, Nintendo's a missed opportunity if they didn't upgrade the innards and allow something like remote play. Um, you know, could you imagine if you could just remote play on your your Switch games on your phone like you can with the PlayStation? Or I think you can do that on an Xbox too, right? Um, yep, yep. So, you know, I've, I've got a six-inch OLED screen in my pocket. Why can't I use this to play my Switch games? I don't know. Nintendo, you confuse mm. me, but... Keep coming out with those so, cute characters and fun games for the family. And we will keep buying them on all honesty. Them. People just will like keep Disney buying movies. Them. Just uh-huh. work over the money for every Disney movie about every minor character in every franchise. Yep. No questions asked. Um, this next piece of news, this is a little interesting. I think we kind of discussed it previously at some point, but um, Silent Hill is a game that PlayStation fans drastically drastically want to see come back it was supposed to come out with kojima it was supposed to have norman reedus it ended up becoming death stranding um because they lost the rights to silent hill kojima left well there's been so many rumors over the past few years that konami is looking to get rid of silent hill ip uh kojima might be getting back involved playstation is going to be involved it's all these things that everybody wants well this new game is coming out called abandoned and here's where things get really weird. We're gonna go down a little bit of a rabbit hole here, Dave. You, you put on your tinfoil hat with me. We're gonna we're gonna see where we're at with this. <laughs> okay. So the abandoned story goes like this. Um, it's a out of nowhere indie studio that is getting a ton of attention by PlayStation. They're releasing Abandoned, which is a PlayStation exclusive. The only trailer we have of is a somebody walking through a forest. And everyone is really weird that they got an entire blog post about the initial announcement for this from PlayStation. So some big, big attention for an indie studio. Well, here's where things really turn, okay? A little bit ago, uh, Abandoned tweeted out something. So they started doing something, and and this tweet, tell me what you think. So it's like, the tweet was, guess the name, Abandoned actually equals... And then in parentheses, it said first letter S, last letter L. Okay? Silent Hill. Um, Everybody went immediately to that. So the reason why all this is happening is because Kojima in the past, when he released the Metal Gear series, Metal Gear 5, on uh, PlayStation and other consoles, uh, he set up a fake indie studio to cover up that the game was being made. So people think he's doing it again with this. There was all this weird things. The director at uh, the studio, his name, his last name translated in Turkish is Turkish for Hideo. uh, First name for Kojima. Lots of crazy things. Okay. I will say that in the last little bit, the last few weeks, abandoned developers have really tried to backtrack and make sure that people don't think that this is what's going on. So everybody's kind of cooled off on that. I have no idea what's going on. Uh, they were supposed to release a trailer app, an app for the PlayStation 5 that you go in to view the trailer and it's an interactive trailer. People are like, what is going on with this? So, all of this to say, this is happening. Um, do you think this is a conspiracy or do you think that everybody's just looking too far into this? One of the two. Yes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I I mean, it sounds, uh, you know, obviously I, 
I'm a little bit later to the game on games than uh, you are. I, you know, I'm not as much of a fanboy. Have not invested as many hours um, playing games or uh, getting to know all the ins and outs of all those games. Uh, I think from the little I know of Kojima, uh, it sounds weird enough to be Kojima. But I also think there are just so many places. You know, we just talked about the rumors about the PlayStation or the uh, Switch Pro. So many places that, you know, you get some rumor that becomes some other rumor that somebody connects the dots. And before you know it, we're all saying that George Washington planned 9-11. And, you know, that was clear <laughs> because, you know, if, if he didn't put it on the dollar bill, then, you know, who knows? Um, it's it's kind of like when people tell me that the Apostle Paul wrote uh, the New Testament in, in Old English. Anyway, um. Yeah, there, I was actually, there was somebody who was talking about, you know, if uh, if King James English is good enough for the Apostle Paul, it's good enough for me. And I said, you realize uh, yep. Paul didn't write in English, right? Anyway, more about that later. That, but uh, That's another you know, story. I think there's, I don't know, I'm split. I don't know if I can make a decision. I, you know, I tend to say there are things like this that get me excited, like, oh, it could be. Um, but I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole without at least keeping a foot out the, out the other end to keep me grounded. So it, it's, it's funny. Cause I mean, any conspiracy theory is really like that. I mean, we, we, we try and create things that are just not there and we will find every little piece and every little thing to fit into our little puzzle. And we do that with everything that we look at and yeah. you know, it gets us in trouble as humankind. It gets us in trouble. Well, um, the, the hard thing is, right, we we are a species that likes to make meaning. So where we don't have an understanding, we try to make meaning. And so, you know, it's hard to figure out, like, somewhere between, like, a, a QAnon conspiracy theory or, you know, the, the conspiracy theory that the government is spying on you, that then Edward Snowden is like, well, actually, they are. And then, you know, where's the balancing act between, you know, the conspiracy theory that is actually proven true um, or, in, you know, in games world, you go, oh, my gosh, this really was what it is. Or in media, you know, I, I remember watching Westworld and somebody um, it was actually Jeff, uh, who's one of our group members. And I were sitting there watching it. And, and about the third or fourth episode, we were like, oh, my gosh, I think I know what's going on. I think so and so is so and so. And I think this is how it's going to go. And then we got there to the end. And I was like, yes, we were right. Uh, you know, very exciting to see those conspiracy theories play out. But. Um, I don't know. We'll have to I, wait and see. I have, I have to wonder if, you know, us being in lockdown and everything that's happened last year, we're just looking for anything to <laughs> cling on to. I mean, heck, that's what's, it's what's made, um, Disney plus and all their Marvel shows. So great to watch on a weekly basis, you know, every week it's let's have a discussion with people and talk about all the theories and debates on where this is going. Um, I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons that they have kept kind of the the hype train going. Now, they need to be careful because if they don't fully live up to the hype that they're kind of building towards with some of these, uh, they could lose steam very quickly because I remember another certain show really building the hype and the theories named Game of Thrones, and we all remember how that ended. I was even thinking of another hype and theories, not theories, but hype. Uh, you know, look at, look at what happened with fallout 76. Look at what happened with cyberpunk. Both oh, games God. that were just oh. I mean, hyped beyond belief. 
And, you know, and if you can't deliver on the hype, then. Yeah, it's bad. Well, so. and and so that's part of the reason that this studio has really tried to backpedal, because I think they're realizing that they're creating too much hype and that's going to just create problems for them. So I'm very interested. We We're not going to see. We need to get back to a world where the hype is based on the product and not empty hype. Right. You need hype where yeah. somebody goes and sees a movie and they go, oh, my gosh, this movie's amazing. You have to go see it. Right. Not hype that is six weeks of marketing campaign. And then somebody goes in the movie and says, wow, that was kind of trash. And then the hype is, is you know, we need to get back to organic hype um, where people are raving about good quality things rather than building our entire business model on uh, we're going to hype the thing and then not have the meat to back it up. I agree. Well, let's move on to our last bit of news because this is actually yes. our topic for the podcast. Um, so if everybody knows, Psychonauts 2 coming out from the great makers at Double Fine uh, will be on Xbox Game Pass. Uh, absolutely love Psychonauts 1. Great, great, great uh, platforming type of game. Very weird, very interesting. Like great art style. It, it is. Yeah, well... So today, today, so this is recent news. This came out on 712. Um, the creator, uh, one of the creators with Psychonauts, the director of, of the studio, uh, a big, big, uh, you know, thing. So in on their Twitter, they talked about beating the game in the lowest difficulty is still beating the game. If you beat Psychonauts 2 with invincibility toggle on, you still beat Psychonauts 2. All people should be able to enjoy games, all ages, all possible needs. It's an ongoing and important process for our industry and a challenge that we must meet. End of the day, we want to have fun, to laugh, to experience a story that affects you on whatever terms you want. Um, very interesting little take there. We've had this discussion in our group before. Uh, we've, we've had this discussion between you and I. You know, let's share share our opinions, but share, David, for me, what is your thoughts on easy modes in games? Um, yeah, hold on. One second. Okay. Um, so easy mode. Sorry, I was just I was talking to my kid. He walked in, telling him to grab my backpack. But anyway, <laughs> um Yes, we're recording we're recording the podcast. You can say hi to everybody. James James is gonna say hi. This is my son James. Everybody, James. We have a special guest on the podcast today. Special Hello, guest James. James. Yep. So, um, yeah. So here, here are my thoughts. I've got mixed thoughts. Because okay. um, I feel like, on the one hand, especially from an accessibility standpoint, I think games should be accessible to everybody. And, and by games, I mean games, trophies, everything else. Um, you know, if you've got some sort of struggle that makes it more difficult for you to play a game there should not be a reason you cannot platinum some game, right? Now, this is hard because I think for some of the people that get the platinums, the, the thing is that they like the achievement of having achieved something hard. So that's a struggle there, but that's ability level. Um, but then the other thing I think that is, is a major question, right, is uh, certainly for story-driven games. There are games that I'm like, I just want to play the story just so that I know it, um, you know, People talk about really compelling stories like Life is Strange, um, like the story in um, Metal Gear Solid, um, the stories in 
you have Death Stranding, the story in Detroit becomes Last Human, of Us. The Last of Us, um, all of those kind of games. You know, the story in um, Mass Effect, right? So I think from a story standpoint, you also want to make the story easily accessible. Um, but I think the the question behind the question in my mind is how did the developer intend this to be played? Um, so for some developers, it might be, Hey, we created this game. It's going to be fun. We want you to have fun with it for other developers. Dark souls game, dark. Uh, what, what am I thinking? It's Not- um, from software. Right. But the, the, the genre of games, souls called- game. they call souls it, games. they call yeah, souls. So, games. so the souls games, um, demon souls. That was one I was thinking of that you just played. So the dark souls yep. games, obviously the, the whole thing with them is that they're incredibly hard. So if the thing is that it's incredibly hard, um, local reference uh, would be like the Manitou Incline, right? The Manitou Incline in Colorado Springs is this staircase that goes up like a mile and you go, I, I don't even remember what the elevations are, but essentially it's like if you just walked up a staircase for like an hour, that's the Manitou Incline. Well, it's supposed to be hard. The point is that it's hard. Um, so it'd be kind of weird to like get an elevator ride to the top and be like, I climbed the Manitou incline. Um, so I, I'm really torn with this. I think there's a, there's a battle between, uh, ease of accessibility and what does the developer intend with the game, uh, with the title. Um, and ultimately I think it, it raises a bigger question. That's kind of the question behind the question behind the question, which is, uh, does our interpretation of any media, whether that interpretation is through translation, whether it's through a different medium or whether it's through different languages, uh, like I said, translation, uh, interpretation through different level difficulty, right? Because I think it's going to be a very different experience playing through, oh, let's say The Last of Us on the super, super hard mode. What is it called? Grounded. Grounded, Grounded mode. mode, right? Or any of those games with like the single life mode. It's a totally different experience than playing on easy mode. Um, so does that affect the difference of how the story impacts you if it's extremely hard versus if it's easy because you've changed the settings? What do you think? Yeah. Well, I mean, most people know me and know that I, I play games for story, but I also play games because I love trophies. I love collecting them. But the reason I love trophies isn't so much for the achievement of it. Isn't so much to brag that I did this. For me, it's more of a collection of completionism, of just being able to track and show that I've completed everything there is to do in a game. Um, so for me, it's not so much of a brag of, hey, look, I got the hardest trophy in this game and blah, blah, blah. No, it's just, hey, look, I finished this game and I got all the trophies. So I've really done everything I can in that game. Now, on the other side, the soul stuff, um, you know, as somebody who is very close to the Platinum and Returnal, which is a rogue game that is very difficult. And I've seen lots of people say they haven't been able to beat it, which I was like, wow, I actually beat a game for once. Uh, that was really hard. That story, part of the, the actual mechanics of the game is dying and having to restart. Now, I will say that got me prepared to test out how that went with a Souls game. And I started playing Demon Souls on PS5. And I actually, Demon Souls is to me so far a little bit easier than what I dealt with in Returnal because in Returnal you die you start from scratch. Demon Souls you still collect things, you can you can technically um level up your character and grind that if you want in certain sections before you take on harder difficulty spots. 
it's a lot of die, rinse, repeat, kind of figure out how everything goes. Whereas again, in Returnal, every room changes every time you die. So really you're not getting the same experience each time. Demon Souls it is. You're so you're learning, okay. This guy throws uh, a firebomb at me around this corner and hides. Okay, next time I go, I'll make sure that he doesn't hit me with that and I die. Or, you know, this spot I have to run really fast to get through, otherwise a dragon will swoop down and and kill me with its flames. Those are all things. And then as you progress, you open up shortcuts and secrets that get you to different parts of the game quicker so that you can slowly progress through the game, which I love. However, here's here's my little problem with that. I still think there should be an option for some kind of easier mode. Um, and it's not, in that case, it, it isn't for me. It's going back to our accessibility conversation. You know, I, I've had conversations with several different people and most of them are like, you know, I had somebody reach out and say, you know, I I am partially disabled, but I'm able to play Demon Souls. Um, and I'm like, okay. They were like, you should be fine, <laughs> um, which is fine. But not everybody is like that. And if we go back to The Last of Us Part Two, which won all sorts of awards for its accessibility, it was ridiculous what Naughty Dog did to make that game accessible and that story accessible to people. You know, from a really easy difficulty to being able to turn on uh, blind mode, being able to turn on colorblind mode, being able to, you know, listen for audio cues and different things like that. It was ridiculous and how amazing that they they thought of those things. And so I do agree, though, with, with Double Fine here. I think everyone should be able to play games. Games should be for everybody. There should be no limitations. And while I get the purists out there, especially from back in the day, I remember my Super Nintendo playing playing that. I don't think I ever beat a game my entire like childhood on those systems because they're just so difficult. That was such a difficult time. I mean, tell me, did you have any luck with some of those earlier, you know, Super Nintendo, all that stuff when it was, you know, there really wasn't save points and things like that. Uh, you know, what, what was your experience? I never finished Mario until probably gosh, 2002. I think I got it on an NES emulator on my computer where you could have an emulated save point. Uh, and then of course, you know, you had the internet and you could look up tutorials and all that kind of stuff. But no, I, I think, uh, like need for speed underground was one of the first games I actually finished to its completion. Um, and then, you know, maybe years later I played Grand Theft Auto San Andreas and I was like, look, I'm an adult and I can finish a game. Okay. (laughs) So I, so I just, I, that was, you know, that was a goal that I made. Uh, so I did it, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was hard. I still think though, like that, you know, there's a question. So like, should there be an easy mode for cupheads? Do you ever play? I've never picked up. I haven't picked it up because of oh how hard gosh. everyone says it is. <laughs> well, then, Russ, you should have a live stream. We can talk about the theology of playing cup cup too, making a deal with the devil. Oh, uh, um, gosh. But, man, that is a – I think I've only finished two levels in that game. And that was probably like 10 hours <laughs> just, to, oh, gosh. just to get See, it just that... right. Um, yep. And then I think you, know, you have the things like we talked about with my wife who's played um, Sackboy and still does not have the platinum trophy because – Hour after hour after hour, she is still struggling to get that last trophy that even the developer himself did not get. So I don't know. Um, you know, and then I think like we talked about, you know, maybe we, we take this into this next piece of the conversation, which is uh, does the interpretation of a thing change its meaning? Right. So 
for a long yep. time in the church that, you know, the, the scripture was only available to people in Latin through the Catholic church. Uh, most people didn't have a Bible. Also reproducing Bibles was very expensive. Um, you didn't have the printing press. You didn't have, you know, printer paper. You didn't have mass printing houses. So to have a, a monk scribed Bible in Latin was very expensive. It was very difficult to produce. Um, but it also provided a certain sense, I think of uh, limitation of access, right? There were the, the in crowd that knew their Latin that, you know, led the church. And then there was the, everybody else who just had to kind of see what, you know, the, the leaders of the church said. Um, so then you have the reformation, which, you know, a lot of people just credit to Martin Luther, but really it was a lot of people um, that kind of pushed that forward to make the Bible accessible, bringing the Bible into German and into everybody's own languages. Well, now, you know, the Bible has been translated, I think, into every language that you possibly can think of, including probably, you know, accessibility versions. You could probably get, you know, I, I actually own a Bible on audio cassette. Um, there's also a Bible in Braille. There's you name it. And guaranteed the Bible has been translated into that. But it also begs the question of, is there something lost in the translation that in translating it into English, uh, which, you know, Latin wasn't the original language anyway, but, but in translating it out of the original Greek, out of the original Hebrew, uh, is there something lost because it's being translated? Um, and I think there is, you know, I, I think there's, there's something to be said for the original languages. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? I mean, you have to look at it this way. Like, Again, I believe everything should be available to everyone. Everyone should have a chance to do whatever they want. Um, there should be that accessibility, you know, whether it is games, being able to access any story or game that you want, or being able to access the Bible. I also kind of look at it to the other side of it of, yeah, if they don't translate the Bible and we're gatekeeping in a sense that, oh, hey, you know, only pastors have access to this while it makes pastors that much more like above everybody else of like, we're the only ones that can, you know, deliver you the Bible. Um, the congregants kind of suffer from that. You don't get to make your own decisions and you don't get to really look at your own faith. However, even with the translations, even with everything we have today, people still don't do that. People still just listen to what their pastor says and take, take it full on. Every word that comes out of their mouth is correct. And they can do no wrong, and I'm never going to check or double check or do my own research. So I, I see both sides of it on that side when we're, when we're talking about um, the accessibility to stuff. You know, how many people are actually going to take the time to use the things that they have for us? Switching back to games, you know, if Demon Souls were to get an easy mode, would we see a bunch more people actually try it out? Or would people just be like, nah, that's not the way it's supposed to be? That's not the way that it's supposed to be played. That's not the way the Bible is supposed to be translated or looked at. Uh, how many times have we heard things like that? What would that be like in the gaming realm versus what it's like in the biblical realm of how things are, are treated with the, with the Bible? But, I mean, it, it's just very interesting when we talk about the idea of accessibility and the, and the ability to be a part of anything. You know, I don't think there needs to be that gatekeeping. I don't think there needs to be things stopping people from getting to experience uh, certain aspects that are important to their biblical journey, to being able to play games. Obviously, there are restraints in everything. 
um, to certain people, but I would prefer that the most people possible have access to whatever it is they're looking for. Um, I think think having access is not without its faults as well. Uh, You know, we see this with access to information, um, you know, things like the Arab Spring, um, we also see this with, if, if you look historically at what happened after the Reformation, it wasn't like people just got the Bible in their own language and they're like, sweet, this is great. No, they realized like, wait a second, there's a whole liberation message in here. We don't, we don't want to be punished by the upper class. And there's this whole message of like forgiveness and compassion and, uh, you know, the, uh, ability of a, of an underclass to rise up and overthrow a King, right? Like, you know, suddenly you put the story of the Israelites, uh, escaping Egypt into the hands of an impoverished populace and they go, wait a second. <laughs> it's like, um, I have an idea for what we might do here. Um, but I think you're right. I think at the end of the day, access is probably more important than, uh, holding on to the, the purity of something, uh, at the cost of, withholding access to other people. Um, I think there, you know, people will find the truth through something, uh, but only if they can actually get there. So I think that's yeah. my take on it. I, I absolutely agree. Like I said, I, it, we need the ability to be able to read our Bible, be able to understand the Bible on our own. Everybody out there right now at home, we've had this discussion in our, our discord groups all over the place. You know, I respect people more when they're like, I deep dove into my Bible. I read some commentary. I read some different language and and things that happen inside the Bible. And and this is what I came to my decision. I believe this because I researched it versus what I hear some people tell me. I believe this because my pastor said so, or I believe this because my church said so, or I believe this because so-and-so said so. Well, that's great, but get multiple people, get multiple sources, get multiple uh, pieces of information that give you the information you're looking for. It's it's better for us to be able to seek out that information and grow as people. Um, I know that the word deconstructionism is sometimes dirty to some denominations and some people in the world, but it doesn't need to be. It doesn't mean you're going to walk away from faith. It doesn't mean that you're going to walk away from your denomination. It just means that you're going to be a more mature Christian and more mature person in your faith. And you're going to be able to answer questions when people ask you it. And I think that is always important and everybody should go down that journey. Um, part of the reason that college is so great, I feel like college is the one time that everybody, and, and no offense to people, but I really feel like the only, <laughs> the biggest valuable thing that people get from college is just the ability to deconstruct their lives and really feel and find out who they are versus the actual like learning that you do in your subjects or anything like that. It is your ability to kind of bridge the gap between being a child and being an adult. There's the period in between where you figure out who you are, what you believe, what you understand, and that's what that time is used for. And I think the only way you get that is by having accessibility to all the things that are at your fingertips or available to you in your life. And so I that taking the idea of easy mode into that i just say we might as well just make everything accessible to everyone let people choose let people say yeah i beat demon souls on super hard difficulty and i'll be like i beat it on easy i don't care so, um so let like, me let me throw one question at you then so how do yeah. you feel as a platinum trophy hunter when the platinum trophy for a game is walled behind having to finish that game on a hard difficulty 
I will I will read how people feel about it and how difficult it actually is. And most of the time I will say, peace out. I'm not going to play that game. <laughs> okay. That's okay. where I am in my trophy hunting. Um, for instance, um, I did get the platinum in Wolfenstein 1, which you have to beat in the hardest difficulty. I may have cheated the hardest difficulty. Uh, that's for another time. But Wolfenstein 2, there is no cheat, and the difficulty got ramped way up. And so people in the trophy community are like, this is an 8 or 9 out of 10 trophy because the difficulty is so bad. It is going to take you hours and hours and hours, and even then you probably won't beat it. At that point, I was like, see a Wolfenstein 2. I'm never really going to try and experience you, at least not right now. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for stress. I'm not looking for frustration, breaking a controller, whatever it is, of just getting that close. And I don't want to deal with that. But my favorite gaming series, Uncharted, uh, it requires the more difficult. It requires you to play on crushing uh, to beat it. And so because I love that game so much, I pushed through crushing difficulty to do it. Um, and I did that on the original PS3. Now, here's the interesting thing. When they were brought over to PS4, they changed things up a bit and made it easier. Mm-hmm. They added the ability to uh, add cheats to the game to help you beat crushing mode. So while you... St- while you still only take one to three bullets to die, uh, you can turn on one-hit kills. You can turn on an unlimited ammo. It makes the game super, super easier than it was when you had to just be crushing straight up, which I did for I did Uncharted 1 and Uncharted 2 on PlayStation 3. Beat both those on crushing. Never went back and finished Uncharted 3. I almost finished it. Uh, I think that's the only one in the entire series that I'm missing the platinum for. Then I platinumed it. Uncharted 1, 2, and 3 on PlayStation 4, Uncharted Lost Legacy, Uncharted 4. I have the Platinums in all of them. I've beat them on Crushing. Um, I I appreciate those ones and their difficulty. But again, there are some games out there that just are, they try to be unfair difficult, which I do not appreciate. I need to at least feel I have a chance versus it's just. I think from a a life standpoint too, you know, I think there there are folks out there who think that, you know, in order to be the best version of the you that you are, you have to have a sense of rugged individualism. You have to do it the hard way. You have to do it yourself. Certainly my grandfather was one who, if he, if he had two ways to do it, he would pick the hardest way to do it. Cause there was some sort of honor he thought in doing it the hard way. Um, but I think, you know, I look at it and I, I was questioning in my own mind, uh, you know, is there something to be said for, Uh, obviously having some sort of discipline, right. To get through something that might be hard, not taking the easy path out, right. Certainly for people that struggle with addiction, um, there's questions about, you know, the easy road versus the hard road. Um, I, you know, we're, that's a whole different topic for a whole different day. Um, but I also think, right. For somebody that struggles with addiction, you know, the, the hard, hard road is, you know, to overcome that addiction by yourself, you know, to quit cold Turkey to, you know, who knows, but I think that's where also we say, you know, there's there's a middle road too. there's the reach out to somebody else, tell them that you've got a problem, look for help, get a handout, get a hand up. Um, and for those of us who are able to help others in any way possible, that, that we offer people an easy mode to say, look, you know, I know you're struggling with finding, you know, a uh, hundred bucks for your rent this month because you just lost your job, but you've got this next one lined up. Let's not make you take the hard road. Let's give you a little bit of compassion and give you an arm and a, you know, an olive branch. So I'll, I'll leave us with compassion. This. 
but that's I, I I'm right there. I leave it with this. It's the saying that I've been told. Every job, every place I go, it's the work smarter, not harder. There's no reason to work harder if you don't have to. If there is an easy path that gets you the same solution, take it. So, you know, in a game, if there is an easy difficulty that gets you to the ending the same way that the hard mode does, take it. Like, you don't need to put yourself through that. You don't need to, like, punish yourself in that way. Like, try it. Go for the hard way. But don't feel bad about going in the menu and switching to easy just because you can't, you know, do it. Um, So that's where I'm at. Smarter, not harder. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, for me, it's a question of what's the best route to get you the goal that is the best outcome for you, right? And so if, if the best outcome for you is to say, man, I climbed the top of the hardest mountain to climb, then sure, you know, put it on crushing, play through the hard mode and and pat yourself hard on the back when you finish that hard mode. Um, but if the best thing for you is just to say, man, I finished that game and I really enjoyed the story, do that. Um, but also, you know, don't, don't beat yourself up just for the sake of be- beating yourself up. So I think that's, uh, that's, our topic for the day. Um, want to say thank you for everybody for joining us on the podcast. Uh, I encourage all of you to join us on Facebook, to join us on uh, discord on Monday evenings, check out our Instagram, our Twitter, check out our website. Uh, and also we've got a super deal right now. Uh, once I find the sticker box or once the second order of stickers that I ordered gets in, uh, if you just give us your contact info, we will send you a free crossfire faith and gaming sticker. looks kind of like the symbol on my hat. Um, so fill that form out, let us know your contact info. We'll get you a free sticker. Uh, and yeah, check us out on Twitch when we actually start live streaming again, now that, uh, things are settling down a little bit and we're finding our, for us, finding our game consoles. <laughs> uh, and yeah, just want to say thank you again for joining us. Russ, any last comments before we close it out? Nope. Just thank you guys for tuning in and make sure you guys come back and check out all our wonderful things that we're oh, yeah. going on. Right. And tell your friends to come check us out crossfire faith and gaming all right have a good week god bless you guys god bless